Weiter We have a list on our website, warrocketajax.com, called Every Story Ever. What we're doing is we're taking lists from our listeners of three comic book stories, and then we are placing those stories on the list from best to worst comic book stories of all time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the War Rocket Ajax Every Story Ever special. For November 2023, my name is Matt Wilson, and I am joined, as always, by Chris Sims. Chris, how are you doing? Matt, I'm doing just fine. I'm coming out of my cage. I'm doing just fine. (laughs) I don't feel good, but it is November 28th, and we got to get this done. So we are doing it. If there is an abrupt stop in this episode, uh, it's because my stomach is in full revolt. It's my stomach has decided it's no longer part of my body, and it wants to escape. And so, in the event that I have to leave, uh, you you may notice, listener. But I can't just wait until that- Thursday when I'm recording Ajax with with Tummy Wilson. Old, old tummy. Old tubby boy. Uh, All right, Chris. This is the show where we rank comic book stories. You heard me from the past uh, talking about that during the opening music. So I think you've probably got an explanation as to uh, what we do on this show every month. Chris, would you like to give a quick rundown of the state of the Every Story Ever list as it currently stands? I would. Matt, uh, we currently have on this list of ranked comic books, best to worst, 1,493 comics. There is a chance we could get to 1,500 in this very episode, depending on Matt Wilson's stomach and my success in, in getting Matt off topic. That does seem to be your goal often on these specials. Yeah, yeah. Because like one time somebody was like, "You guys don't, you guys talk too much instead of reviewing uh, comics," and I said, "Well, I'll I'll play this game of chicken." <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Coming in at number one on the list, uh, a comic so good it could cure what ails you, and that's uh, Amazing Spider-Man numbers thirty-one to thirty-three. If this be my destiny, slash. The final chapter, uh, which is not the final chapter of Spider-Man. Spider-Man would continue for several thousand more issues. Yeah, there was another story called the final chapter. There was. It was also not the final chapter of Spider-Man. It wasn't even the final chapter of The Gathering of Five. <laughs> that, it was the final chapter of that volume of Spider-Man. But and the at the bottom of the list, a comic that will make you sick, that will just, it'll it'll get your GI all in a tussle, uh, and that is Identity Crisis by Brad Milton Rags Morales uh, from the year 2005, statistically the worst year in the history of publishing comic books. Yeah. Uh, it's Maybe that's what got me. Maybe I thought about 
identity crisis, and that's what got me. Yeah, you were like, oh, I got to do every story ever tonight, and that made you think about this comic we don't care for. And you were yeah. like, how would she shrink down that flamethrower? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. You specifically can't do that. I thought you about you can't reference stories from the past and say that that happened and then get this other shit wrong and expect it to be a thing that that is a good mm. anyway you, you also can't be the worst comic about mental health ever written yeah which there's buddy there's there's a that is a hotly contested title it is it is and yet this grabbed and the yet, brass ring well, let's not talk about that anymore, Chris. Let's not talk about that I would bad comic. Not, yeah. yeah, let's talk about. I would say I'd rather not. I kind of do because I kind of always want to talk about it. <laughs> which is the which is my disease. That is your gift and your curse. Before we g- move on, before we get to the first list of this special, I do want to say that there's been some discussion on the Discord about us possibly hitting the limit of stories we've read to rank. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. I was yes. thinking about that. Too. Like I, I definitely, I'm wondering when we will get an episode where we fully fill up two hours with comics. We haven't read uh, that. That might be the sign to hang it up. <laughs> that, it, that might be the sign be. that the list is complete. But here's the thing. We're reading new ones every week. They keep making them. We keep reading them. Yeah, and we're not really. We're not reading complete stories. We're reading, like, dipping in and reading, you know, parts of bigger stories a lot of times now. Those stories do complete. They do, yes. And I don't know about you, Matt, but I mean, I'm still reading old stuff. Like, I, like, just this past summer. And into fall, like I read all of Dragon Ball. Well, I mean, I read all of Berserk. Uh, on yeah, I read all of Berserk as well. So it's I, not I, like I will, I'm reading Helsing now. So it's not like we're not still reading comics. Yeah, I will admit that I I do a lot less comics reading for pleasure, uh, for leisure, because it is like a job now <laughs> to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I read Ducks uh, fully by my own. Uh, accord. Um, but I am reading less in my leisure time than I used to. That said, we have both read a bunch of comics that we haven't ranked on this list. Yes. And I think I, I know I can hear it in your voice. I'm going to speak for both of us. We do still get excited on like a Wednesday when something good comes out. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we, we 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 all love to talk about Spider-Man and, and what he's up to. We're all reading about the Avengers. So it's not like, again, we still like them. I do think we have covered a not insignificant portion of the comics we have read. <laughs> That's probably true. But hey, here's some good news, Chris. The first list we have on this special... I can guarantee we've read two of the three, and I bet we've read all three between the two of us. Okay. Okay. I will say, it is also no longer my full-time job to read back issues. 
which it was <laughs> at one point in the life of this of this list. Yes, and I once did that as if it was my job. Uh, yeah, even though it was not. All right, here's our first list. It's from Gregory Luther. And these are some 90s Marvel stories to rank. And if you want to make sure we've read a thing, (laughs) (laughs) this is the way to do it. This is the way to do it. Uh, Here's the first one, Chris. Captain America numbers 445 through 448, Operation Rebirth by Mark Wade and Ron Garney. Boy, you know we've read that. Boy, you know know we've we've read that. And it's pretty good. It is pretty good. It's it, This is the story that comes immediately after the end of the Grunwald run. Right, which ends with Captain America perhaps dying. Yes, due to the events he, of, of whatever that story is called that we just yeah. read. I mean, Matt, we're reading – like, that's the other thing. We haven't ranked all the Mark Grunwald Captain America. We haven't ranked all the Jan Jurgens Thor. That's true. And boy, you know we've read all of those. Yeah. We're, di- we're, we're getting through them. Operation Rebirth is... It's... I, I will say this. It's good. The Mark Wade, Ron Garney run on Captain America, both of its parts, I think, are are like such good... Somebody's going to know what I mean when I say this. You'll know. But they're good Captain America comics, they're good Marvel comics, they're good Mark Wade comics. And those are True. three different things. But I think they're more important than good in the fact that the Grunewald run, like reading Captain America 443. And then reading Captain America 444, there is a jump of about 15 years in, like, comic book storytelling technology. That's not wrong. That's not wrong. Captain America goes from being kind of 80s to as 90s as it can be. Yeah, like, it's it's specifically – it goes from being – and again, this is only going to make sense if you – have read comics the way Matt and I have. It goes from like 1989 to 1998 in one issue. I I think you're right. That said, I think the Captain America comics that Wade was writing and Ron Garney was drawing in 1998 were better than these. They were better than Operation Rebirth, but I think the high point yeah. of the run is Man Without a Country. Man Without a Country is good. I, I, you're not wrong. So much of this story specifically, I think, is Wade saying, hey, we're doing something totally different. It's Because it kind of yeah. sidesteps what Grunwald left behind with the armored suit and all of that. And it's just like, uh, Captain America is better. Yeah. I mean, it is very much like, it is what it says on the cover, right? It is a, a rebirth in a way that it has to be. Cause this is the first time in 10 years, anybody, but Mark Grunewald has written Captain America. 
Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't totally hand wave it away because it explains it with Sharon Carter and all of that. But also Sharon Carter is in it, who was not part of the Grunewald run at all. It gets yeah. rid of a lot of the characters from the Grunewald run. Like, R.I.P. to Ram's Hot Mom. D- no Ram's Hot Mom. No uh, uh, Fabian. F- Fabian's not here. Old old Mr. Guy who runs the costume shop that Captain America lives in. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the Red Skull is almost an entirely different Red Skull. Like, the whole notion of him as, like, businessman Red Skull is kind of pretty much done with. And we're back to this sort of, like, Marvel Comics wearing a span, like a gray spandex suit going after the Cosmic Cube. Red Skull. Yeah, he's he, he is back to being a supervillain in a way that, like... In a, in a very different kind of supervillain. Like, he was very... He's very Cobra Commander. Yes, in absolutely. In the Grunewald run, and he's very, like... Much more like... I don't know, like Silver Age Lex Luthor <laughs> in the Wade stuff. Mm, yeah, I, I, part of me thinks that he's, like, post-crisis Lex Luthor in the Grunewald run. And yeah, like in this... He's more like straight up Marvel bad guy. Yeah. Like he feels like one of the, like he, Norman Osborn is a good comparison. I think like he's fully like back in that. I have a lair and I have dudes, but I am not going to like wear a three piece suit and buy property. I am going to focus on world domination. Yeah. Norman Osborn kind of rides that line sometimes, right? Like sometimes he's, evil businessman sometimes he's full crazed mask wearing glider riding supervillain and, and sometimes he gets sins stabbed out of him and then yeah. the sins go into spider-man and spider-man puts on his killing clothes and sometimes he's trying to make up for for his all the bad things he's done yeah anyway i think the story is good i i do think my biggest complaint, I think, for it is that everything in this particular story is a little bit rushed because it's trying to clear out all that previous stuff to make way for this new version, this new idea. And you, he can really be Wade's Captain America in the next story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. The the whole twist of like originally they're working with the Red Skull, Steve and and uh, Sharon Carter. They're working with the Red Skull, and then you know there's the there's the heel turn, the obvious heel turn that comes from the Red Skull. Yeah, I mean he does have a he's got a bright red skull for a head. Yeah, like even without the Nazi stuff, you got to see that one coming. It's it's you know. It's pretty well choreographed. Yeah. But even the whole, like... It's it's Red Skull who brings Captain America back to life. Right, yeah. I mean, it's Sharon and Red Skull working together, but yeah. Yeah. There's also the notion 
of like the last time we left off with Red Skull in the Greenwald run is he's in Steve Rogers' body. So it seems like what's what happened to Steve is also going to happen to him. Yeah. That is he's also in a, totally close body. He's not in Steve Rogers' body in the way that like Otto Octavius was in Peter Parker's body. He's got a clone body. Correct. That said, he's in a he's yes he's in a cloned Steve Rogers body, and so he's got the same problem with the super soldier serum that Steve had. This totally glosses over that, which yeah. which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's way doing something different. It just feels this. I think this story in particular feels like it's doing too much too fast, maybe. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, okay, there there is a mention of Red Skull being in the clone body. But that's yeah. kind of it. It is a lot of... It's a lot of table setting. Like I think that's why we both like the uh, like later parts of this run that's cut in half uh, a yeah. little bit more. Uh, Man Without a Country, I think, is like a... Like, that's... That's kind of as close to a, like, you know, DC style, like, here's the Captain America story you can put in a, in a bookstore story that I can think of. Like, I'm, I'm surprised that they didn't, like, if you, if you like them Captain America movies, you should read that one. You'd like it. Yeah, uh, even it, though it's, it's good. It's, it's, it feels like it could be adapted. Yeah. It's also weird to read it after reading the Grunwald run because it's in many ways very, very similar to Cap becoming the captain. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes. But he gets a a much more late 90s pirate-looking costume. He he becomes the, the Dread Pirate Steve Rogers. The Dread Pirate Rogers, yeah. 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 That's honestly not far off from what happens. <laughs> uh but yeah, like I I think this is a lot of table setting, like especially if we're including uh what four forty four, that first issue, yeah. which we read yeah. uh when we did our last uh episode on the Gurneys, just to kind of get, you know, a feel for what happens next. And that is very much an everybody stands around and talks about how they like Captain America comic. It is. Very like much it's so. Yeah. A mission statement. And, you know, I wonder, like, at, even at this time, like, Mark Wade was a you know superstar comics writer, right? Like, he was maybe not at the height of his popularity because I don't remember if this is pre or post Kingdom Come, but certainly he was like. He was he was a guy you know one of, one of the big names in comics, but I don't know if you really think of yourself like that. And I would be you know, I would be curious to know how Wade thought of what he was doing as a guy who had taken over from so many people who did what were at the time landmark runs. Like he has said. I think on this show that, you know, he loved uh, William Messner Loeb's run on Flash uh-huh. and 
he had been on that book for like five years before Wade came on and kind of stuck around for a hundred issues. And, you know, he was also the guy uh, who I I guess was not the, I no, I guess he was the first guy after Morrison on JLA. Because it's him and then Joe Kelly. Yeah, he, 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 Tower of Babel was like pretty much immediately after. Yeah, because Howard Porter still is still on. He draws that that book. Yep. Uh, and then for this to be like, you know, say what you will, Grunewald was on this book for ten years. So I wonder what what those three things were like for Wade. Like, it's a good question. Guardian, I think, just comes in and fucking kills it. Like he, he his stuff looks awesome. Kingdom Come was right after this. Yeah. Like, maybe even somewhat concurrent. Because this was 95, 96. And Kingdom Come comes out in 96. So. Yeah. Yeah. But he'd already done a bunch of Flash stuff. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he'd he'd been working in superhero comics for for you know a decade at that point yeah uh like i think he had um he does a couple issues of avengers but i think that's after this because i think he does he does like avengers 400 which is like one of the last ones before uh uh heroes reborn so when he you know dupe was a name dupe was a name so I think this is good, but it isn't the best part of the run and might actually be the weakest part of this entire Captain America run. It's it's the worst of a bunch of good comics. Yeah. It's it's you know like a it's like a 7 or a 7 and a half, I think. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate, yeah. So where does that put that on the list? Like low seven hundreds, eight hundreds, maybe. Yeah, I mean, like it's still quite good. Like I would still recommend it. Like if you said, "Hey, should I read the Mark Wade Captain America from the beginning?" I'd be like, "Hell yeah, that's good comics." Ron Garney draws it; it's great. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, like there, there is certainly room for improvement. Uh. I think it's. Yeah, I'm, lo- I'm looking in the 800s, and again, if you're new, it is a top-heavy list. It the is. bad is it bad. Is. Like it goes from like excellent to very good to like a small section of yeah, it's all right, and then it's like the, the drizzling shits. <laughs> That's very true. Or like the last 200 are just like some. So I think qualitatively. It averages out, but it in terms of like the actual comics, it's a pretty top heavy list. Uh I'll tell you the first place my eye is drawn to is Mudman, which is at number eight seventeen. By friend of the show, Paul Grist. That's right. Okay. Th- this is not as good as Revenge of the Sinister Six. Which is at number eight sixty. Yeah. Yeah. So it definitely goes below that, for sure. Okay. I think it's probably it's probably better than 
than Silver Sable and the Sinister Syndicate, though. That's my gut feeling, too. Yeah. So the big question is, above or below Mudman? I mean, Paul, Paul Gris, man. You know how I feel. Okay. So at the new number, 818, is Captain America Operation Rebirth, which is numbers 444 to 447? 448. 444 to 448. Entering the list at the new, new number 818. Next on Gregory's list is Avengers Live Cree or Die. <laughs> what a great title. What a pun. What a pun title. And what a bad comic book. <laughs> Not... <laughs> Look, I'll be I'll be honest. Um I know I've I know I've looked at them and I know that I've read part of that story cuz I've read I mean I've read all those books except for Quicksilver. Yeah. But I don't remember anything of it. I, I was going to say like I don't know if I've read the whole thing, but like I've read 75% of it at least. <laughs> okay, so there are four issues in Live, Cree, or Die. Two of them are written by Kurt Busiek, Iron Man number seven, and Avengers number seven. One is written by Mark Wade, Captain America number eight, and one is written by John Ostrander. That's Quicksilver number 10. That's a murderer's row of talent. Yeah, it really is. That's and, three incredible writers. And yet, it sucks. <laughs> Because yeah, okay, not good. Here's the thing about this story: the Cree stuff is imminently forgettable, absolutely, totally forgettable. The whole idea is that the Cree Supreme Intelligence and the Lunatic Legion are going to use a, a weapon, like a, a a big weapon, to turn everybody on Earth into a Cree. Yeah. It's okay. stupid. Why? It's 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 nothing, right? But the whole idea of this story is that it's a Carol Danvers centric story, where she is drinking all the time, and she's being reckless while the Avengers are on missions, and so she destroys the projector that's going to turn everybody into a Cree. But in doing so, it creates a situation where. She almost kills the other Avengers in the process. So the end of this story is essentially Carol Danvers going on trial. Yeah, the, the Avengers have a have a meeting, right? And in the trial, Carol Danvers, who was going by Warbird at this time, says. I didn't do anything wrong. This is all your fault. And you're telling me to stop drinking, but I'm not going to. And so they kick can, her out of the Avengers. Can you name all of Carol Denver's code names? Well, she was Ms. Marvel. Correct. That's one. She was Warbird at this point. Then mm-hmm. at some point in this run, she becomes Binary. She becomes binary in the pages of X-Men. 
Is that right? In the 80s. That's Oh, so that's earlier that she's binary. That's earlier, yeah. She goes back to being binary in this run. That's right, yes. Because I think she loses those powers that enable her to be binary uh, at some point. And then, so that's when she becomes Warbird. And then, yeah, at some point in here, she goes back to being binary. Uh, and then, let's see, what other names did she have? Then she goes back to being Warbird and has the yeah. a terrible mid-2000s costume where she's wearing, like, a flak jacket. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. That was a that was, was a bad she, time for costumes. Was she Well, obviously she's now Captain Marvel. Right. With with one of the best costumes. Yes. And I think she might have temporarily been Lady Marvel. She was she was uh was she Lady Marvel? I think so. Uh, there, there is one more, but it's a very obscure one, and I would not expect anybody but me to know it. Okay, tell me. The Centress. I remember when she was the Centress. Yes. Oh, she's Lady Marvel in this run in the uh, Morgan Le Fay timeline. Yes, that's right. Yes. So it's like her in medieval times. Yeah. I knew I remembered that from something. Yeah, uh, she was the Centress in Age of the Century. Yes, the centrist. Um, anyway, the whole way Carol Danvers is treated in the story sucks. It's yeah, and it, like it, it, it's such an after-school special story about alcoholism, <laughs> and instead of helping her, they just kick her out. Yeah, it's it. The weird thing is, I have not read that Quicksilver run because I do not care for Quicksilver. Uh, but, like, that Iron Man run, that Avengers run, and that Captain America run, that's, like, three of, at the time, certainly, and I think to this day, like, three of the best runs those characters have had. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it was probably the first good Iron Man run. There's some stuff in that Iron Man run in retrospect that doesn't really hold up. I think it's the weakest of the four. Well, no, Fantastic Four is the weakest of the four Heroes Return books. But uh, but it's weaker than Avengers or Captain America. Uh, But it's still uh, pretty good. It had that good Sean Chen art. It did. It did. And Uh, some good stories. uh, But I don't remember those like I remember the Captain America and Avengers stories. The thing about this is it's such an Avengers story, and it's so uh, clearly a part of the Busiek Avengers run. Mm -hmm. But it it may be the low point of the whole Busiek Avengers run. Yeah. And like the, the, honestly, the Carol Danvers, like alcoholism stuff doesn't go anywhere. For years, like it's, you know, there's basically like she quits drinking and goes to AA with Tony Stark and she's fine. And that's yeah, it. I mean, she, it comes, like, she comes back and she's like, hey, I, I'm in recovery. I got better. I'm binary again. That's that's almost t- entirely it. Yeah. 
and it's not it's not for years and years that we get any one like dealing with that which is so wild when you think about like how central it is for other characters and that just makes me think like well then why did you do it like if you if you weren't going to do something with it cuz that's like a big change to a character and it's so minor that like people forget about it like i i remember during the uh during the bendis run there was like a scene where Carol's like in a bar, like playing pool and drinking beer. <laughs> I remember, I think I was working at the comic book store at the time, and I remember all of us going, Hang on. <laughs> yeah. Wait a yeah. second. Like, Carol Danvers feels like a character who was not treated with much care until like 10 years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, that is 100% correct. Yeah. I think and that, like, that's, that's why I think she had so many code names because it's like I feel like that's a sign, much like it is in pro wrestling, where like creative doesn't really have anything for you. Yeah, yeah. Trying some new gimmicks, seeing what sticks. Yeah, but like I, I remember getting hung up on the whole like they just kick her out and don't help her part of it. Yeah, and it's it, like. One of the people who made that decision is Tony Stark. Yeah. And it's very much a thing like, like, well, she doesn't want help. And it's like, all right. Okay. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, I don't love it. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's not Avengers two hundred bad. No, no, that's way worse. But it is not good. Uh, yeah, let's see. Avengers two hundred is at uh, where is it on the list? It's at number fourteen eighty nine. <laughs> so it's yeah. way down there. Yeah. No, I mean, like, and again, this is you know, it's it's. Kurt Busiek, Mark Wade, Ron Garney, George Perez, John Osterender, like plenty of good creators. So there is like a baseline. It's it's not atrocious. Yeah. But it's all it's like, just it is it bad. just treats it treats a character very poorly who deserves yeah. better. And it makes the Avengers yeah. look like assholes. Yeah. It's. I mean, every issue of it's well drawn. Oh yeah, every oh, issue yeah. of it got good art. The the last one is just Carol Danvers sitting in a chair and people standing around talking. Yeah, and it still looks pretty good. Yeah, because I mean, George Perez draws it, and so you get like a bunch of space action, and then you get like some people being like, "Well, Carol, what do you have to say for yourself?" And then Carol goes to a bar, so like. That cover, by the way, the cover to Avengers number seven makes you think you're going to read a good ass comic. I I will say, Carol essentially responding to be putting being put on trial, essentially being like, "Hey, fuck y'all," is the seed of maybe something good. Yeah, except that she's presented as being like unequivocally wrong. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, she's also, I mean, this is after she lost her memory, and she lost the power that enabled her to be binary. So she's kind of like carrying around that albatross too. And so she's sort of got a chip on her shoulder about that. And I don't know. It's like, it's got the kernel of being good and interesting, like an interesting approach to her character, but it never pays off in a compelling way. So here's what I'm looking at. This is better than civil war frontline. I think we can agree on that. Well, I mean, Carol Danvers didn't really take Captain America to task for not knowing about NASCAR. So That's right. That's at number 1353. I think this is better than Fate. 1994's Fate. Talk about Jared Stevens, I think the man called Fate? That's right. I think it's better than that Garfield comic that might be homophobic. One with Frank? Yeah. I think it might even be better than those two amazing fantasy stories and that hostess ad. <laughs> those two amazing Batman fantasy the stories are pretty fucking bad, actually. They're pretty fucking bad. Yeah, they're pretty fucking bad. But I think Bong Chan Dong Ghost is doing something more interesting than this. Uh, so I, I would put this at the new number 1348. Number what? Number thirteen forty eight. Thirteen forty eight. Yeah, I can, I can, I can roll with that. All right, I'm going to say that, live that Kree or it, die. That puts it. Go ahead. Uh, that puts it ab- above some pretty bad comics. It does put it below Rise of the Midnight Suns, which is not very good. But I think that's just how it's going to be. That's just how it's going to be. Uh, Live, career, die, and I'll put in parentheses, Avengers, Iron Man, Quicksilver, and were those the three books? Uh, Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, and Oh, Captain America, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the new number 1348. Finally on Gregory's list is Hulk Future Imperfect 1 and 2 by Peter David and George Perez. It's all right. I remember this book being talked about all the time. And I just never got up the <laughs> the wherewithal to actually read it. I mean, I know why you remember it being talked about all the time. It's because you also read Wizard Magazine. Because of Wizard Magazine, yeah. Wizard Magazine loved this book. I feel like what it is, based on what I know about it, and like I've flipped through it before in the past, it's like kind of trying to do like a 2000 AD comic with the Hulk. That's interesting because that's not a connection I ever would have made, but I think you're right. Yeah. Because it is, it's, I mean, it's Peter David and George Perez. So it's like as far from 2080 as you can get. And yet, I think you're dead on. Either like 2080 or like heavy metal. Because it's got that like mature sci fi kind of thing going on. 
and you know it's got it's got the bad Hulk, <laughs> and like I don't know, I I kind of just feel like that's what it is. But you you having read it know better than me. Yeah, I mean, like it's good. Like it's it's I, I've read it because it's a you know it's a, one of those comics I talked about all the time and in wizard magazine yeah. uh and it is it's very peter davidy and it's very george perez uh like it's honestly i think some of perez's best work and it's kind of everything you want out of george perez like big crowd shots big action like his action yeah. in this looks better than I think it does anywhere, but like maybe JLA Avengers or or Ultron Unlimited. Like the the fight between Maestro and Hulk is actually like really really good, and Maestro is a good idea because like the if you haven't read it, what happens is Hulk goes to the future that is ruled over by uh, the Maestro, who is a Hulk. With Bruce Banner intelligence, but he's bad. It, it's basically yeah. like Hulk's strength, Banner's intelligence, Joe Fixit's morality. And a big old beard. And a big old beard. And he's bald. And in case you're wondering, hey, did Peter David need me to know that this Hulk fucks? Yes, he did. <laughs> he the also, and I know. You, the first time you see the maestro, he is coming out of his bedroom naked, leaving visible on panel for passed out women. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. He fucks. He also, and I remember this from the, the Wizard Magazine stuff, he kills Rick Jones. Rick Jones is in... Professor X's chair, the yellow, like, floating chair that Professor X had at the time. And the maestro, like, punches him so hard that it makes the chair explode. And then Rick Jones crashes into a case that has Wolverine's skeleton in it, and he gets impaled on Wolverine's claws. Yeah. And, like... I, I can see how someone would be like, that's cool. But on the other hand, it really sucks. Yeah, and I mean, like, one of the things is, like, this is the kind of story that we would get for ten years after this story. Like, yeah, at I the mean, time, it, yeah. it was like, you had not seen a story like this before. I mean, Days of Future Past existed. Days of Future Past existed, but like this was that for the whole Marvel Universe. Like The big famous piece of art from this book is the big double-page spread where the Hulk meets future Rick Jones, and it's all of the remnants of all of the Marvel characters. And everything's all like... like it, he's basically got a museum, and everything's fucked up. Like all of yeah. the helmets that have like holes in them or they're caved in. Uh, like 
he's got uh like the thing like you see just like there is a sentinel head that has been turned into a barrel that is full of like orange bricks uh because that's all that's left of the thing thor's hammer is there like and it is to its credit a very cool scene because it's, it does have these incredible art touches that yeah, it's beautifully drawn for sure yeah i don't i don't know whether to 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 give it to Perez or to Peter David for like these ideas, but like Dr. Strange's cloak of levitation is hanging up on nothing. Like that's a really cool thing. And also like the bottle city of Kandor is hidden in there. Yeah. But you know, yeah. the ebony blade is like in two pieces, uh Shatterstar sword with two blades. One of the blades is broken. And the only thing that's not broken is Captain America's shield, which kicks ass actually. <laughs> <laughs> I do yeah, I do think this sets a precedent. Like the dystopian future comic story had existed before this. But I do think this set off a trend in comics. And we talked about Kingdom Come earlier. I feel like you can draw a very direct line from this to Kingdom Come. Oh, absolutely. And I think I think you're right. Like it is Days of Future Past for the Hulk, like, but yeah. in the same way that Days of Future Past was like new and refreshing and and bold and full of you know this issue everybody dies and they fucking did, uh, like I feel like at the time this was kind of the first comic since that that had done that, and and it felt and, like a big deal, and we would get so many. You're not wrong to say. That after this, we got so many comics where it was, here's a superhero in a dystopian future, and it sucks. Yeah. Like, so, like the, there was the whole Marvel Universe The End series of books that were all bummers. There was that, that Kari um, Andrews Spider-Man book. Yeah. Oof. Rain, that, Spider-Man that, Rain. Uh, Avengers book that uh, that Peter David did. The, I think it's just called The Last Avenger Story that has the Aspate right, yeah. cover. Remember that yeah. one? I yeah. do. And that one's like way worse. <laughs> I think we have ranked that one, uh, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. But I mean, like, Maestro is a cool idea. The kind of compelling like problem for this, and I always appreciate it, like, I'm not a Peter David guy, and I'm not really much of a Hulk guy, but I kind of like it when you take a character that, you know, is defined by this one thing and give them a problem that thing can't solve. Like that's basic storytelling. And the idea that this book is built around is that the maestro is like, Hey, um, I know I'm evil and I know that you think I'm evil and you don't want to become me and you want to avert a future like this where I kill all the Marvel superheroes. So all you got to do is kill yourself. And then there's this really like genuinely well done scene where like Hulk is like holding a gun to his head. Uh, and, and like, he doesn't do it. And then that is a moment where the Maestro is like, yeah, see, you know, you won't, you won't even sacrifice yourself to, to save the world. We're the same. I feel like that. I feel like that moment has been explored many, many other times since then. Absolutely. And, and uh, 
we now have the stories that, you know, essentially have revealed that the Hulk cannot kill himself. Yeah. Uh, but you don't get those without this, I don't think. I don't think you do either. Yeah. So give me give me an, a neighborhood for it. The last Avengers story and Spider-Man Reign are at 1417 and 1418. It's way better than that. I th- I would agree. Yeah. Like the other comic that I think is kind of 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 this ilk is Ruins. Even though that's a that's an alternate past and not an alternate future, but it's like very similarly a bummer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um like this is way better than all of those. Uh it it is worth reading. Um it, it a lot of it holds up, some of it doesn't. It is very Peter Davidy. Uh the end of the first issue has Hulk and Maestro coming face to face, and they both say, Dr. Banner, I presume. Hilarious. Yeah. Oh, Peter David, you are the limit. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like I, I mean, Future Imperfect's good. It's not. It's overrated, I think. But it's hard. It's easy to see why it was so overrated in the era of Wizard Magazine. Because there, yeah, I, I don't know that I would. I don't know that I would say it's overrated now. But it was overrated then. It was overrated then. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if you asked the average comics reader to name like five Hulk stories, certainly before immortal Hulk, like this would have been on the list, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's probably better than, than X of swords. Okay. It's, it's probably better than, uh, then that Ron Mars, Doc Shaner, Superman story, or the Spidey Super Stories version of Doctor Doom and Prince Namor. It's, okay. Mm, I want to split the difference between 761, which is Amazing Spider-Man 300, Venom, and 762, which is Ultimate Spider-Man Venom. Because I think it's better than I think it's better than the Ultimate Spider-Man one, but I don't think it's as good as Amazing Spider-Man three hundred is a good comic. All right, Hulk Future Imperfect goes at number seven sixty two. Uh, thanks for that list, Gregory. That was a good one. Yeah, again, if you want if you want some comics we've read, for sure, for sure. Uh, all right. Here, our next list is from Lucas Brown. Hey, Lucas, our buddy. And the first story on Lucas's list. This is a list of things Lucas is pretty sure we've read. First on Lucas's list is Batman number two hundred fifty-one: The Joker's Five Way Revenge by Danny yeah, O'Neill and Neil Adams. Yeah, I've read that. <laughs> It's, I mean, um, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Pretty fucking good. <laughs> it's pretty fucking good. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's good. <laughs> it is the, if, if you want 
a Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, Batman story. That's what you should read. Truly, truly, it can be said, true believer. This one's got it all. Among the most iconic comic covers ever. Great cover. Great cover. Like, great splash page. Yes. An incredible, uh, like, full page shot of Batman running on the beach that would be perfect if he had his belt on. Uh-huh. But he doesn't have his belt on uh, for story reasons. <laughs> right. But I mean, like, that's like that's it, right? Like, that is one of the when I think of Batman, that's one of the pages. Like, that's one of the best, most iconic pieces of Batman art ever. If you ever wondered, in the 2010s, if you were like, why are they still letting Neil Adams do Batman comics? Well, this is why. Yeah, man. It's... It's damn near perfect. Like Batman has a fucking shark in it, man. He sure does. It feels... For a comic that came out in... What was this? 1970... 74? Let's see. It's number 251. Let's check the year. Because it's it's like... Definitely... 1973. 73. So this is a 50-year-old comic. Yes. And we've talked about like... Lots of Bronze Age comics on here before, and even comics from like the mid to late 80s, and how very, very dated they can feel. This book feels so modern in so many ways. And I don't just mean like art, I mean like pacing, I mean like the type of story it tells. Like it, it, like I don't know that it would necessarily fly as a comic published today. There's a lot of thought balloons, <laughs> but it is shockingly modern for a fifty-year-old yeah. comic. And a thing that I think is this is one of those things that's like hard to express to people who aren't intimately familiar with the history of the superhero Batman. This is the comic that reintroduced the Joker. There was a time in in the history of Detective Comics comics where the Joker wasn't around. Yeah. Uh, famously, Julie Schwartz, uh, who edited this book, uh, a, a man of checkered reputation, uh, didn't like the character. Just did not like the Joker, but couldn't justify not having the Joker in comics while the TV show was on because Cesar Romero's Joker was very popular. But after the show was canceled in 1969, there just weren't any Joker stories for four years. Yeah. Like, that's wild. 
that's again imagine imagine there not being a joker story for four years and so this is the comic that reintroduced him and it's very simple uh joker's been gone for a while and uh he's back in town and he's gonna get revenge on five people who who betrayed him and it's such a simple setup and it's just joker killing these guys and batman being a little too late until we get to the last one and batman fights a fucking shark and then runs across the beach and fucking chin checks the joker it's a pretty total reinvention of the joker right I mean, it, it it's it, this is certainly one of the it's certainly the Joker getting back to being a guy who shows up and kills people, which yeah, is not it's, it's, really a thing that he was in the Silver Age. Like, but you know, obviously the first Joker story that was retold as the Laughing Fish, which would come a couple years later. Uh, or actually not even a couple of years later, like very much around the same time by Engelhart and Rogers, uh, like reestablished him as that guy. But yeah, like this, this is the, this is kind of the first modern age Joker. Yeah. Cause the, the way I see it, the, the, I mean, I don't know what the last Joker story was before this. So maybe I'm mistaken. But I feel like this is the advent of the Joker who is just a guy. Right? Like, a lot of the Joker stories before this, like, he's kind of a mobster. He's kind of like, he's got like henchmen. He's got like big, you know, headquarters and, and, you know he's he's a larger than life comic book supervillain and this story is just like joker comes back by himself and he is he is killing people that wronged him yeah like he's definitely not the the silver age tv style arch criminal he is much yeah. more of the the murder clown he is not the dick sprang giant piano joker anymore He's he's just like I said, he's just a guy. Yeah. Who like who's going to explode you. That's right. Who's gonna give you a cigar a that explodes yeah. in a funny way. And then at the end, he and Batman just kind of walk off together. <laughs> well, I I like I actually really like this, and I think it's a a piece of the Joker that the best portrayals of him get. Uh because the way Neil Adams draws him, Neil Adams draws him like a fucking scarecrow. You know, like he's yeah. super thin uh, and gangly and Neil Adams draws Batman like he's fucking built like a brick shit house, you know, like, so when Batman encounters the Joker, Joker throws a punch, misses Batman, elbows him in the back of the head and then punches him. And that's it. That's it. Like Joker's done because he's not a physical threat. And I right. feel like that is a thing that. uh O'Neill, even more than Engelhart and Rogers, who I think deserve a lot of the credit for kind of the the modern age direction of the Joker. 
Uh, like that's a thing that even they didn't do to quite this extreme where like, yeah, like look at this guy. He's not going to put up a fist fight against Batman. Like Batman's going to beat him effortlessly as he does, but it's everything that leads up to it. It's the unpredictability. It's the, 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 you know, all the stuff you can't beat as a detective. Like you have to find the pattern. You have to find the game. And I think that's a, it's, it's a blueprint. It's a good, it's a good comic, man. I'm not the biggest Uh, Neil Adams fan. I'm not the biggest Denny O'Neill fan, but like, I'm also a guy who really likes Batman. And so I can't, I can't tell you they don't do a good job. Perhaps the most seventies thing about this issue is that the Joker is ultimately defeated or Batman is able to get his hands on him because he slips on oil pollution on the beach. Yes. But I mean, like Batman was running after him. He was going to catch him. Yeah. 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 But then Batman like makes a joke about it. Yeah. And Joker's like, it's not funny. And Batman's like, it's pretty funny. <laughs> I don't know, pretty funny. <laughs> it's good comics. Like it's good. It's good. I, I can't I, believe we ever. I feel it. like. Yeah, I feel like the ending of this issue is so. Like, Alan Moore had to be thinking about it in the ending of Killing Joke, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Because it's it's a moment of Batman and the Joker, like, like Joker just knows he's got, and so Batman is just like walking with him. Yeah, it's kind of like, on him. yeah, they're just walking, and uh, and it's I feel like it's just reminiscent of the ending of of Killing Joke when they're laugh they start laughing. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Anyway, this is better than Killing Joke. <laughs> I I think so. Uh, I mean, that's another book that is often called, you know, a reinvention of the Joker. But this, I feel like this is more of a reinvention of the Joker. Yeah, than that we is. have Killing Joke very, very low on the list, though. It's yeah, it's very low. It's thirteen twenty three on the list. Yeah, this is uh, going to go way higher. Yeah, I'm looking up at like the like the. 300s and and i'm still scrolling up yeah uh like it's it's better than the man who laughs uh even though that's like a really good book a really good joker story uh another retelling of batman number one uh it's probably i mean it's better than batman and robin volume one all right here's here's what i think is the big question how it stacks up against another uh, Bronze Age classic. At number 251 is Marvel 2 and 1 Annual number 7. I mean... I mean, it's better, Matt. Better than Marvel 2 and 1 Annual number 7. It is. (laughs) Okay, okay. Marvel 2 and 1 Annual number 7. Great comic. Does Batman fight a shark in it? <laughs> Great point. No. Great point. Okay. Dark Knight, Dark City is at 214. Batman does kill that shark, though. He, he right, sure does. <laughs> uh, uh, I think it's 
I mean, Dark Knight Dark City is pretty good, actually. It's but, pretty good. Uh, I mean, yeah, like, it's... I keep looking at, at this stuff, and it's like, yeah, it's better than all these. Like, uh, I would not, of I don't usually list this in my, like, favorite Batman issues, but, like, it's pretty fucking good. It's, it's, it's pretty fucking iconic, yeah. It's, like, it is a very important single issue of Batman. It really is. Like, it, it is, okay, it's not as good as To Kill a Legend, which is at number 124. Okay. Not that good. That comic rules. Okay. Is it better than Captain America Mad Bomb at 133? Yeah. Better? Yeah. Okay. Is it better than Mr. Miracle the Paranoid Pill? Yeah. (laughs) Better than all of Tom Strong? I like Tom Strong. I do too. Tom Strong got that good Chris Browse art. Tom Strong. I feel like Tom Strong has been kind of like kind of forgotten. And man, that book rules. That, that book's book good. Yeah. Got Tesla Strong in it, man. Yeah, dude. I'm going to say not as good as Tom Strong, as all of Tom Strong. But. Better than the Paranoid Pill. I think it goes to the new number 126. All right, so that's Batman number 251, The Joker's Five-Way Revenge. Good showing. Good showing. Yeah. It's it's great. R.I.P. to Denny O'Neill. The next story on Lucas's list is Beta Ray Bill numbers one through five, Argent Star. Written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson with colors by Mike Spicer. Matt, do you know where the machine is? Um, I think I have it somewhere. Do you, do you have the machine I th- somewhere? I think it got returned to me. Give me a second. Yeah, I thought I sent it back. Uh, all right, Matt's, Matt's looking for the machine. Everybody, this, this might take a second. But, um, uh, we definitely read this one. We, I think we talked about every single issue of this comic on on the regular uh, show during our weekly comics review. So this is a relatively new uh, entry onto the list. Uh, Matt's still looking for the machine. I got it. I got it. I, I found oh, it. You got the machine? Okay. Yeah, can you I just, found it. Can you just enter Beta Ray Bill? Uh, beta, that would be Beta Ray Bill, what, like 2023? One or something like that. Is it is it twenty twenty one? Yeah, it's it's yeah yeah twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah, I'll put that in. Hang on a second. Yeah, can you just enter that? Yeah. You have to enter each letter individually. Yeah, I mean, like of course, like how else would you do it? Yeah, but you can't like you know, there's no keyboard. You got to just like peck it out, you know. Okay. Wait, there's I no it keyboard? It's there is a keyboard, but it's it's not like I can't like put my fingers on the home keys. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to peck it out letter by letter. Uh, yeah. but I put it in. Uh so I'm just going to okay. Um beta ray bill 2021. Uh yeah. So just hitting enter. 
processing. Okay. Oh, uh, here we go. Um, rules. Yeah, it, it, it rules. It's fucking good. Yeah. Just had to verify that with the machine. Yeah. That's a comic where Beta Ray Bill does numerous wrestling moves, including on Surtur. And his spaceship becomes a lady. Mm hmm. Like his spaceship that he's been like hanging out in for a while, and that was just like a computer. Now it's a now it's a lady. Yeah. And and his spaceship's like, I love you, Bill. And Bill's like, Oh, I love you too. You're like my favorite spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> like he missed, like he kind of misses it, which is great. He kind of he kind of whiffs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, that's a spaceship. <laughs> like, the way this book bookends, where it starts with Fin Fang Foom and it ends with Surtur, god damn, that's good. Yeah, man. Like, don't don't forget that, that Scuttlebutt becomes a lady, but also becomes a giant gun. <laughs> that also happens, and- yes. And when she becomes a giant gun, Scourge, the executioner, uh, like, sheds tears. Mm -hmm. Because he's about to shoot this giant gun. And he's never seen anything so beautiful. Yeah. um, yeah, I knew this comic was going to be great when Bitter and Bill hit the Rainmaker. And that's not even, like, the best thing that happens in this comic. I mean, I think you were on board with this book when, on, like the two-page splash of the second issue has a, like, full cutaway of the interior of Scuttlebutt. It it really is like it was made for me specifically. It really is. Yes. Like, it's got Beta Ray Bill hits the Rainmaker, Surtur hits the V-Trigger. He sure does. Scourge gets a giant gun. It's got, like, a a romance that is comedy and also tragedy. That's very fun. Uh, Beta Ray Bill. What's what's the name of this move? It's like the. It's not the one winged angel. It's like it's like Chris Sabin's finisher or something. <laughs> like it's how Beta Ray Bill kills Surter. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's like it fucking rules, dude. <laughs> Like, like it's got everything. I, I feel like we are because we keep talking about like the particular like rad moments. I feel like maybe we're underselling the story as a whole, which is also really good. Like, yeah. like that's that's what's so incredibly amazing about Daniel Warren Johnson is. He can fill his comics full of just like the raddest moments you've ever seen. But it's all in service of this unbelievably compelling and somehow emotionally gripping story. Yeah, absolutely. 
Like it's, it's the, it's just the energy that it has. And it has that energy on like every level. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I forgot that. At the, I forgot that at the end, he, he like takes on a somewhat more humanoid form. Yeah. Cause that's what, um, what is Beta Ray Bill? Why can I not remember? Matt, I feel terrible. I can't remember what species Beta Ray Bill is. I, I'll help you out. I'll help you out here. He, he's not a chameleon. Those are the, the, the white horses from Power Pack. He's a Corbinite. Corbinite. That's yeah. right. Because uh, that's, that's what Corbinites look like. It's just right. like they're, yeah. they're just like orange dudes. Right. With no noses, with, with like Krillin. Smooth heads. Yeah, just like Krillin. Yeah, they're a lot like Krillin, actually. <laughs> they're taller than Krillin, I think. But yeah, I mean, we well, we don't really know that because I don't think we see many Corbinites. That's true. In scale, uh, shockingly, we have not ranked to do a power bomb. And I was going to rank this against do a power bomb. I thought we had, but we haven't. I do think do a power bomb is better than this, but that does not mean that this isn't really fucking good. No, like this is it's just a hoot. It's just yeah. an absolute hoot. It rules. So where do you think it goes? I I mean I mean I I don't think I have to scroll too far from where we just put the five the Joker's five way revenge. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Like I th- I mean I think it's as good as Alan Moore's run on Wildcats. <laughs> I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I don't know if it's as good as GI Joe 100. Because Beta Ray Bill might hit the Rainmaker, but G.I. Joe 100 opens with Cobra Commander kicking a puppy. (laughs) It absolutely does. It absolutely does. See, I I mean, I would say, like, either... I, I would say either directly above or below Alan Moore's Wildcats. What number is that? That's one fifty-five. Okay, pick one. I, I'm willing. I'm willing to go with that. I I think it. I if you ask me right now, what would I rather read? Again, better. I mean, I don't think we put Wildcats in the machine. Do you want to put Wildcats in the machine? Um, I don't think. I mean, I think it would come out rules, but I think Beta Ray Bill rules more. I'm uh, the very it, the new number one fifty five. The new number one fifty five, yeah, yeah. Beta Ray Bill, twenty twenty one. Daniel Warren Johnson. That dude's good, man. That dude's real good. That dude he, he is all hits. Ooh. All hits, no skips. Uh, finally on Lucas's list is Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, monarch of all he subdues, 
which starts in the back half of issue 147 with the actual story in 148, which is written and penciled by Jack Kirby with inks by Vince Coletta. Mm, that's going to bring it down. Yeah. Uh, this is the story with Victor Volcanum's Volcano Death Trap. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> give me, give, hit me with those issue numbers one more time, Matt. It starts in the back half of 147, and then is the whole uh, issue 148. Yeah. Because Jack Harry was like, I'll start a story in the middle of an issue. I don't care. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a but I'm Jack Kirby. And if I had any, any concerns that this might be non-standard, well, guess what? Vince Coletta erased them. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Um, I mean, it's a, here, here's the thing. Are we ranking Jack Kirby's Jimmy Olsen? As individual stories. I know we've ranked Goody Rickles alone. We have, yes. So there is precedent for ranking individual stories. There is precedent. So I'm I but I kind of feel like like this this section of Jimmy Olsen that that starts with Kirby's first issue. Like you know, Superman goes to Supertown is kind like it's kind of one story, but I could see that. I don't know. Like it's it's. I just don't know. If if you want to consider. The lion's share of Jack Kirby's Jimmy Olsen one story. I think we can request for someone to send that in. Basically, all of Jack Kirby's Jimmy Olsen except for Goody Rickles. <laughs> I mean, like the, I they they are. I mean, they're kind of individual stories, but they're also like I don't know. They're they're very. They're certainly of a piece, I think. God, it's so weird to go back and look at these issues and see an Al Plastino head on a Jack Kirby body whenever Superman shows up. That's so weird. I don't... That's one of the dumbest decisions in the history of comic books, is to A, not have Kirby do the covers for these, but B, to... To have Al Plastino go in and redraw, like Al Plastino's great, perfectly fine. Co-created Supergirl, you know, absolutely a, a fantastic artist of the Silver Age. When he goes in and draws Superman's face over Kirby's, over Kirby, it's so noticeable and jarring. It almost ruins these issues. It's weird. It's they it's weird, without a doubt, because Don't, all the other faces are Kirby faces. Yeah, because everybody else got a Kirby face. Jimmy Olsen got a Kirby face. Yeah, and and Superman's got a Kirby body, which 
like if you're gonna have if you're gonna have Al Placino go in and do anything, have him redraw that us. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit Jack is a little off model on that one. S is pretty rough, yeah. Um, yeah, no, like I, I don't know, like I have a hard time separating out this run, but I mean, this issue's pretty good. The, they, the Jimmy Olsen and the and the Newsboy Legion, who are no longer Newsboys, are not at all Newsboys. They're clones of ex Newsboys. <laughs> uh, they are they're trapped in a in a volcano, fighting Victor Volcanium, Victor Volcanum. Excuse me, there's no I in that. Uh, yeah. like it's it's about as Kirby as it gets. It's, it's basically Superman just goes tearing in there. Yeah. And Jimmy Olsen yeah. does some fighting too. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go say what you were going to say. Well, it's, it's about as curvy as it gets, except for the Alplastino faces and the, the Vince Coletta of it all. Yeah. Well, we got to make the decision. We got to make the decision of, can we rank this as a story or do we request that somebody send in all of Jack Kirby's Jimmy Olsen? I think we can, here's the thing. I think we can rank this because if we, because I want to rank the man from Transylvania, uh-huh. which is one of the greatest, which we have ranked. That's actually on here. It's just not under Jimmy Olsen. It's number 461. That's one okay. of the greatest so, comics of all time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I would say we can go ahead and rank this because we have ranked Goody Rickles. We have ranked the man from Transylvania. Uh, I, I think we're, I think we're safe in, in Jimmy Olsen, Monarch of all he subdues. It's good. Okay. It's good. There, Jimmy Olsen fist fights fucking robot is great. While while the newsboys show things like he nailed Olsen, that tin can is lightning with his dukes. The ending is as Kirby as it gets because it ends with like Victor Volcanum cornered, like Superman has him cornered after he and Jimmy Olsen have just totally wrecked shop in his lair. And Superman comes in and just destroys his uh, his device. His, it's called the gondola. It's his like device that he's going to use to kind of conquer the world. And uh, Superman says, "Like, look, just you've got a great mind. Just give up your urge to dominate all things, Volcanum. You can be useful and productive in the service of humanity." And Volcanum's like, nope, can't do it. And he just flips the switch and it blows himself up. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, as Kirby as it gets. So not as good as the man from Transylvania. No. But there's only so low a Jack Kirby comic can get on this list. Uh, well, Goody Rickles is at 503. 
Yeah. It's not... On a technical level, it is better than Goody Rickles. But it is not as fun as Goody Rickles. Not as fun to read. I, I, I can buy that. Yeah. I would say... Is this better than... It's not as good as the new Fantastic Four. That's a good comic. That is a very good comic, yes. Underrated. Is it, is it better than... Oh, we have uh, Captain America Man Without a Country on here. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, is we did write that. Okay. Than Mr. Waffles, the Frank Comics comic about the anthropomorphic waffle who works at the Waffle House. Mr. Waffles is challenging, challenging, but a singular comics reading experience. It really I is. I don't think there's any other comic like it. I also think Iron Man Extremis and Batman and Robin, Batman and Robin must die are better, which are both directly below it. Okay. I think it's probably not as good as Judge Death Lives. And it's probably not as good as the Suicide Squad story where they go to Apocalypse. But I, it, it's... This is better than the Astonishing Spider-Man Wolverine. Okay, so is it better than the Wade Kitson 3-boot of Legion of Superheroes? I think so. Alright, that puts it at the new number 567. We've We've read everything submitted thus far, Matt. We have. We have. I think we're one away from 1,500 now. We are. We are, indeed. Uh, I, I scrolled down as I was typing, which was not advisable. Okay, there we go. Jimmy Olsen, 147 and 148. Monarch of all he subdues. Okay. You know, you know what's weird is I'm still mad about this one time that I went to Heroes Con and I walked in this guy's booth and I was like, Hey man, uh, just so I know, do you keep your like Jimmy Olsen's and Lois Lane's? Do you keep them under Superman? And this guy looks at me, at me, Matt, at Uh me. And he goes, well, I mean, the actual title of the comic is Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. So yeah. Wow. What a dick. Like, do you think I don't know that? Think I don't know that? Oh, but some buddy. people would put it under J. Some people might put it under J. I'm not asking what the title is. I'm asking how you organize your comics. Yeah, some people might put Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane under L. Under L, because they wanted to be near the Mindy Newell series that's just called Lois Lane. That's right. Like, you might. Put all your X-Men comics together, or you might have X-Men and Uncanny X-Men and Astonishing X-Men under the different letters at the beginning of their titles. Yeah, and you know what? I'll bet that dude keeps those all under X. What a dick. What a dick. Unbelievable. Here's our next list, Chris. It's from Jolene. Those were all from uh, those were all from Lucas. Those were all from Lucas. Those last three. This next list is from Jolene. 
And this is going to be the 1500th comic we put on the list. Oh, this is exciting. Without any doubt, we have read this. Captain America, the superior stratagem. We sure have. We sure have. (laughs) There's no getting around it, Matt. We've read that one. We have read it. We have read it. It is the comic book where Captain America Steve Rogers is forcefully gender swapped. Uh, he's, he's, he's force femmed. He's forcefully he's feminized. Force yes. Yeah. And there's a lot of running around on an island. On, and on a boat. On a boat. That's not, the island comes later. Oh, right. The, wait, they're on the island. No, this one's on the boat. Wait, no, wait, which one is the superior? Okay. I know we've read the Superior Stratagem. I think we've read every appearance of Superior. They're on the boat at the beginning. They do go to the island. But they do go to the island, because the island is where Captain America is force-femmed. And then, at the end of this story, I am pretty sure that is when uh, Diamondback uh uh, does a murder. Dragon fight lady. Yeah, Diamondback does yeah. a murder. Yeah, I thought that all that happened on the boat. In my head, it's all on a cruise ship. It's all a wild weekend on a cruise ship. There is a lot of it that does happen on a boat, but much of it—it's Snapdragon that she drowns. By the way, um, much of it takes place on on Superior's island. Should we continue discussing this? Or should we simply refer listeners to (laughs) to our discussion thereof? Yeah, we've discussed it already. I don't think we need to say more. It is not the best part of the Grunwald run on Captain America. (laughs) No, it's not it's not gonna uh, outrank uh, Cat 350, unfortunately. No. Though I do like that this is fully uh, Mark Grunewald and Rick Levins like, going into the official handbook and being like, get get all the ladies. That's true. Just get them all. They are all on that boat. Here's my question for you, Matt. Okay. I think I can agree. I, I, I believe, and I'm wondering if you agree, that this story would be better if Grunwald and Levins had gone, had, had done it, had just turned Captain America and Paladin into, into ladies. I think it would have been better if Captain America had been a lady for at least as long as he was a werewolf. A werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. I, I really feel like they cheap out on it because the they whole do. time we're like, we're told like, Oh, superior is, has this, this weird magic tube. <laughs> she can put you in with Dr. Nightshade and is going to turn you into a lady. 
and they we and it doesn't happen. And I think that's I if you it's Chekhov's lady tube. If you say yes. there's a tube that they're going to put Captain America in and he's going to become a lady and you put Captain America in that tube and he doesn't become a lady, but he does wear a lady's costume. Yes. With, I, I, with some thigh high boots. He does. I do think that this story would be more effective because the whole deal is that Superior wants to create a world of nothing but women, Right. And also, mm-hmm. he wants to steri- she wants to sterilize everybody. That's part of this. It's weird. But if there had been a thing where Captain America was a woman long enough to neutralize Superior's plan, because the only people who could do that were women... I think, I think the story ultimately would be more effective. Yeah, because I, I feel like. Go ahead. I, I feel like right now the story as we have it is kind of a bunch of nothing. Yeah, it, it Cap in the end of the story just kind of like talks her out of it. Like s- sincerely, that's what happens, and then Quasar flies the sterility rockets into space. Man, if you go into if you go into low Earth orbit in the Marvel universe, there's cocaine rockets. <laughs> there's so much shit. Rockets. There's so much All shit. All kinds of weird rockets up there. Detri- just detritus that if you fucked with it, you would be. It's such a bad way. It's amazing that John Jameson went to space and only came back a werewolf. That's true. It only brought back the venom symbiote in the cartoon yeah and the movie spider-man 3 yeah which i did watch the other day actually no i watched spider-man 2 which john jameson features heavily in spider-man 3 is better than people remember it as or give it credit for yeah it's i mean it's the worst of those three movies but it's still very watchable the sandman stuff in it is really good and I feel like the Sandman stuff. It's, I mean, it's not great, but it's, it's okay. It's, it's obviously shoehorned in to the movie. Yeah. Like Sam Raimi wanted to make a Harry Osborn Green Goblin movie, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the worst part of it is that it, it's, there's three villains in that movie. And that was a little much for what yeah. Slam and Sam was doing. But Sandman in that movie is so good. Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman is perfect. He looks like Sandman. He looks like Sandman. And that whole sequence where he's emo Peter and he's like pointing at people in the street and dancing. It's campy. It's supposed to be funny and silly. Yeah. And everyone was like, he's cool. Watch the reactions of everyone else in those scenes. Yeah. I don't understand how everyone collectively got that wrong. It's wild. It is bananas. Yeah. Those are honestly like, the best scenes in that movie. Agreed. People are like, huh, that part is silly. 
That part is it's too, it's so goofy. Yeah, man, on purpose. Well, I can't believe that from your voice you are accusing Tim Rogers of holding that view. <laughs> I saw hey, Spider Man three. I saw I watched I watched Spider Man three. It sucked. I just remember him saying that about WandaVision. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the superior stratagem is, it's, it's unfortunately kind of a bunch of nothing. Yeah, it's not and the like, worst part of the run. It's not the worst part of the run. Superior might be the worst character in the run, because Superior doesn't make any sense. She is used to good effect by the end, I think. But this story, her plan absolutely makes no fucking sense. Superior, like she, she, you know how Marvel has a the Scarecrow, uh, but they can't really call him the Scarecrow, so they just call him like like Straw Man. Yeah, they Superior should just be called Straw Feminist, <laughs> Straw Woman, Straw Woman. Yeah, because like she, yeah. like I cut like I want Captain America to talk to Superior and just be like, "Are you for real?" <laughs> Like, like that, that Spider-Man comic where Spider-Man's like, are you messing with me? Yeah. Like, are you, are you like some kind of conservative news construction of what a feminist is? Because that's what it feels like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I, I, this story, I don't think, I wonder if there were other plans for this story or if this is like, I mean, I believe Grunwald was editing this book too. So I, I don't know who would have stopped him from doing whatever. He no, wanted it was, to. I think it was Ralph Macchio by that point. Oh, uh, it's, I, it's, it's weird that again, Chekhov's lady tube. Yeah. Like you got, you yeah. got like, I'm not even saying I want there to be that story. Cause again, we, judging this story from the year 2023, it's hella problematic. <laughs> oh, very much so, yeah. In okay. every way. But like... Here's my question. Yes. Or make your point, go ahead. But like, narratively, it is unsatisfying. Like, on its own merits, divorced from any of its, like, gender stuff or or, or larger politics, it's just not a very compelling story except for the diamondback stuff which is actually pretty good yeah the diamondback stuff is the best part of the story by a long shot yeah it does feel like they thought okay we're gonna make captain america a woman for a couple of issues and then somebody got cold feet yeah and it was just like okay we're just gonna put him in women's clothes for a couple of issues instead uh is this better or worse than the Mean Man? Mean Man wasn't a bad story, but boy, Mean Man didn't get over. Yeah, Wolverine the Mean Man. That is it, number 1064. I, I mean, I again, Mean Man is not narratively unsatisfying. That's true. That's true. It just didn't get over. Yeah. Uh, better or worse than when John drank dog semen? 
I mean, worse, that comic's funny. That's true. That comic accomplishes what it's trying to achieve. Yeah, that comic, I mean, it's wild that that comic exists. It's actually more wild that that comic exists than that the superior stratagem exists. That's a good point. Uh, Let's see. Okay, I'm going down further then. We have that comic of Kingdom Come, which is great. We do. Better or worse than the JMS Thor Volume 1? Better. Better. Captain America does stuff. Is it better than... I feel like that X-23 book we have at 1163 is similarly problematic. Yeah, that book was not good. No. Maybe we put this just above that, below Ultimate Marvel Tia Bump number 6 through 8. What is, what is, I feel like I'm going to regret this. What is Unintended Consequences? Not the Batman story that I love from uh, Batman 425, but the Spider-Man story by JMS that I don't have the content of in my notes. Uh, let me see. I, I have to, I'm going to have to remind myself of it too. It's Amazing Spider-Man number 55 and 56. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man volume 3. This might be the book with Oh, this is like post This is like post uh This is near the end of the volume of Amazing Spider-Man. So that would mean I think huh I'm trying to remember if it's before or after um since past it's before since past. Okay. Oh, this is a, like a somewhat forgettable story where Peter helps a kid. Okay. It's like one of the worst examples of a story where Peter helps a kid. It's like okay. a kid in his in his class at school. All right. Because uh, I don't I I don't think the superior stratagem is as good as Fantastic Four one two three four. One of the most flawed Grant Morrison comics. True. But I think it's maybe better than that X-23 book. I don't know. It's. I think it's better than that X-23 book. Okay. Which it, is... It, it's, it's me a spot. Um, let's see. Fantastic Four 1234 is... Where? 1158. It's right above, uh, like, like five spots. Oh, above I see. I see. I'm going to say we put it just above Fantastic Four, one, two, three, four. Just below. Oh, you, th- you think one, two, three, four is better? I think one, two, three, four is better. Okay. Then just below. Yeah. Above okay. Unintended Consequences, which is also a story that's kind of a bunch of nothing. So, with Captain America, the superior stratagem. Uh, that is issue numbers 390. 392 is the last issue. 
So that means 387, 387. I think, has the first yeah. one. 387 to 392. Can't believe we talked about it that much. We have talked about the superior stratagem for, for so long on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Way more than it deserves. I would say. Probably. Okay. The next story on Jolene's list is Batman the Last Angel. I don't I don't know The Last Angel. Uh The Last Angel is a book from nineteen ninety four by Eric Lust Lustbader and Lee Motor that I think was just like a prestige format uh graphic novel. Uh I have not read it. There are so many one shot like prestige format one shots. But uh when I looked it up I did get an Amazon review that says the story has nothing to do with angels. The dialogue is ridiculous. <laughs> It apparently kind of plays around with Catwoman's origin. I mean, Catwoman's wearing a bad costume on the cover. It's pretty bad, yeah. It's pretty bad. I also have not read this. This is the first book of the episode that we haven't read. Incredible that we made it this long. It it continues the trend of Jolene trying to get us to rank Catwoman comics from the 90s. <laughs> Which does, does yeah. Catwoman wear this bad costume in this book? Because if so, it is not going to rank high. Yeah. Despite the fact that I do generally like Lee Motor as an artist. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see. Yes, she does. She does. <laughs> That's a bad costume. That's a rough suit, bud. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, okay. Uh, the last one on Jolene's list is Catwoman the Great Plane Robbery, which is Catwoman numbers 28 through 30. The Jim Ballant run of Catwoman, which we have not read. And we've made clear that we haven't read it. Should, should we catch up on the talent Jim Ballant? I mean, there's no way we could do that whole run. No, it's 77 issues. Yeah. He draws that book for 77 issues. There is a 0% chance that we will ever do that. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe if there's one story that one of y'all think we should, we should check out from the Jim Ballant run. Maybe we can make that a catch up in, in 2024. I'm not totally against it. You know, you know, I'll I'll always read some by the talent. <laughs> yeah, so let us know. Let us know if there's one story in that run that that we should uh, catch up on. There is a backup from Jolene, which is JLA Camelot slash Prometheus Unbound, which is issues sixteen through seventeen. We've uh, we definitely ranked that. That's the that's the Prometheus story. 
Uh, let's see. Yes, we have ranked it. It is yeah, number three hundred and forty-two. Uh, solidly in the rules section. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Uh, let's see. The next list we received is also from Jolene. So, remind me to come back to that one next episode. Okay. The next list after that we got from Gregory Luther, who we've also done one of their lists this time. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to go to this list from Rocket Witzel. And I don't think we have time to finish it this episode, but maybe we can take one or two. Okay. Uh, the first one on Rocket's list is... Uh, these are all comic strips. Matt, you know that. So I don't know. I don't know. Moratorium. Moratorium. I'm sorry, Rocket. I'm sorry. We are in the moratorium period. Okay, one of them is actually a book. Oh, okay. With that one, we can do. It is Nancy's Genius Plan by Olivia James. Now, is that a collection or is that a a like actual like OGN story? It's a book. It's a it's a it's kind of like a children's book. Okay, interesting. I've not read it, but interesting. I have not read it either, uh, but I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by Nancy's Genius Plan. Nancy's Genius Plan by Olivia James. Yeah, it is. Fourteen it's pages a board long. Book? Yeah, yeah. This is this is a this is like for for uh, for for the children, preschoolers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I bet it's good. I bet it's I bet it's good. I I bet I. Yes, I agree. I bet it's good. Um, I'm I'm looking at a preview on the book website. The first page is Aunt Fritzy made cornbread for everybody to share, but I want it all for myself. Luckily, I've got a genius plan to get it. Uh, love it already. Love it already. Lady James knows that Nancy loves cornbread. <laughs> Nancy loves cornbread. Since since her very first strip, since Olivia James took over, Nancy has loved cornbread. And you know what? Yes. So do I. Character after my own heart. Uh, okay. Right now. Oh, God. I mean, I wouldn't because I don't feel good, but I'm thinking about how good cornbread tastes. Yeah. I had some okay. things. Good. My brother-in-law made it. It was great. I bet. I bet it's good. All right. The next one. There's zero chance we are ranking this. Zero. Okay. None. Okay. This is an edit of a Nancy strip mashing it up with cow tools. That's not th- no. No. That's not what we do here. To 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 let people know what it is. It's it's that strip where Nancy it's that Ernie Bushmiller strip where Nancy is going to the bank window and it says visit our loan department. 
And then she asks the banker, I'd like to borrow $2. And the banker says, what for? But instead of saying she wants to go to the circus, which is how that strip actually goes, she says, cow tools. And he says, here you go then. And then the last panel is Nancy's head kind of badly photoshopped onto the cow from cow tools. That do, that's that's nonsense. And this you, is nonsense. You, you know better. You know better. You I'm know glad better. We agree on this. I'm glad we agree that this is nonsense. You can't. No, you. Did you did you did not you did not think that we were going to rank that when you sent it in? You're just pushing you our buttons. If you didn't think we were going to rank that, if you thought I'm going to make these fools rank this. Then honestly, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> I'm going to make these clowns dance for me. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. The last submission from Rocket is Garfield from uh, October 20th of 2002 by Jim Davis. Okay. But, but... Rocket is submitting specifically the version that is on Go Comics, where the line art layer and the color layer aren't sized correctly. So when you go to Go Comics and you look at this strip, it looks like what I just sent you. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is... On the one hand, I do applaud you for getting a little experimental. Rocket, but like on the other hand, this is you. This is actively trying to drive us mad. <laughs> like you have sent us a hallucination. Yes. You have sent you. You said, "Hey, hey, you idiot clowns, rank this mistake." Yes. The line art is too big, so you can't even read all the dialogue. It's cut off on the right side and at the bottom. The color art is the right size. The color art, I actually do kind of like the way it looks, though. It is. It's. It looks cool. Yeah, it's an interesting piece of art. Yeah, I'm sure Banksy would. Lose his fucking mind over this. What if it turned out Banksy was Jim Davis? (laughs) (laughs) Most commercial artist. It would upend our entire world. We would we would all believe we would all say you can't believe anything. Nothing is real. Who's more likely to do that comic where John drinks dog jizz? Banksy yeah. or Jim Davis? It's a great question. It's a great question. I think if this was the strip as intended, like if it was this weird pop art Warholian Garfield thing, I'd be like, okay, we can rank that. But this is just, as you said, this is just a mistake. 
So I, I don't know what to do with this. I, we, we're not ranking strips anymore anyway, so it's a disqualification. But I, we would not be ranking a mistake, even if we were still ranking strips. You can't. You can't just. You can't just send like you can't just send us like a toast that looks like it has a dog in it. You know <laughs> there are limits to what is a comic. There are limits to what is sequential art. Yes, agreed. We have pushed those limits. You have pushed those limits. It's time to shore those limits back up. All right. We are slightly under the two-hour mark, but I am fading, and I don't think we have time to start a new list, so I'm calling it. I'm calling this special. Matt, we you're did, a trooper for powering through as much as you did. We did get to 1,500 comics on the list. Incredible. A, a genuine achievement. Nothing to scoff at. Nothing to scoff at. Uh, if you would like to send us an Every Story Ever list, you can do it at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can step over everyone who is not a Patreon backer by going to our Patreon and going to the line stepper level uh, and, and contributing monthly at that level so that you can get your list on the show. Word of warning, we are about a year behind on line stepper lists. I've, I did several lists on this episode from November, 2022, uh, but we haven't done a list from a non line stepper in like five years. So, <laughs> If you want any chance of getting your list read out on the show, you kind of have to be at the line stepper level on our Patreon. If you can't be at the line stepper level, there's other levels at the Patreon that you can contribute at that are also really cool. Um, any contribution gets you ad-free episodes of all the shows that we do. This monthly special, the weekly War Rocket Ajax show, Comics Catch-Up, Movie Fighters and Snack Situation, um, they're all made possible by your support on Patreon, and you get them all totally ad free in a special Patreon feed. You can also get bonus content over there and uh, physical rewards. If, if you're really feeling generous, you could go to that t-shirt level and get our annual t-shirt and line stepping privileges. So uh, go check out patreon.com slash rocket Ajax. If you could feel so inclined, you can also get in touch with us on Tumblr warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com we're on blue sky at warrocketajax.bsky.social um, we're on the website that was once known as Twitter but we don't really check it anymore uh, but we are warrocketpod there uh, but I I would not uh, I don't know I, I, we don't really do anything there anymore um, folks you gotta get off that website it's you gotta bad. get off that website you gotta get off that website Instead, join our Discord. You have to be invited to be a member of our Discord, but if you go to any of those places I just mentioned, our email, Tumblr, Blue Sky, 
our Discord. Well, you can't go to our Discord, <laughs> but if you go to any of those places and ask for a, an invitation to our Discord, we'll get you one, and you can join that community of people who want to drive us mad with these Garfield strips. People who think we're we're just little dancing puppets, a little Punch <laughs> and Judy show. <laughs> Uh, our website is warrocketajax.com. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. War Rocket Wiki is the fan-run repository of all the information you could ever need about War Rocket Ajax. If you want to find me and my stuff, you can go to mattdwilson.net to find links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isp.com. That is my website. Uh, I'm also on Blue Sky, but don't follow me there. It is just where I go to post pictures from dragon ball that is that's going to entice people to follow you chris that's all that's there and i don't want to hear I, I unless i ask a direct question like do you think goku can read i want to hear anything from anybody on there people are going to be like he, he's posted pictures of dragon ball i gotta check that out i mean look they're pretty good pictures they're pretty good panels uh, I am on Blue Sky, and I encourage you to follow me there. Uh, I'm uh, at mattdwilson.bsky.social. You can go follow Matt. Matt's a good follow. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, quite a milestone. 1,500 ranked comics. Incredible. Bye. We love you. Bye, everybody. I love you. Forever, 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 ever, forever, ever. Yeah! From this day on, let every breed of mongrel live together.